0: will make sense to most readers. Clearly, denying African Americans access to housing subsidies that were extended to whites constitutes unfair treatment and, if consistent, rises to the level of a serious constitutional violation. But it may be surprising that residential segregation also violates the Thirteenth Amendment. We typically think of the Thirteenth as only abolishing slavery. Section 1 of the 13th Amendment does so, and Section 2 empowers Congress to enforce Section 1. In 1866, Congress enforced the abolition of slavery by passing a Civil Rights Act, prohibiting actions that it deemed perpetuated the characteristics of slavery. Actions that made African Americans second-class citizens, such as racial discrimination in housing, were included in the ban. In 1883, though, the Supreme Court rejected this Congressional interpretation of its powers to enforce the Thirteenth Amendment. The Court agreed that Section 2 authorized Congress to pass all laws necessary and proper for abolishing all badges and incidents of slavery in the United States, but it did not agree that exclusions from housing markets could be a badge or incident of slavery. In consequence, these Civil Rights Act protections were ignored for the next century. Today, however, most Americans understand that prejudice toward and mistreatment of African Americans did not develop out of thin air. The stereotypes and attitudes that support racial discrimination have their roots in the system of slavery upon which the nation was founded. So, to most of us, it should now seem reasonable to agree that Congress was correct when it determined that prohibiting African Americans from buying or renting decent housing perpetuated second-class citizenship that was a relic of slavery. It also now seems reasonable to understand that if government actively promoted housing segregation, it failed to abide by the Thirteenth Amendment's prohibition of slavery and its relics. This interpretation is not far-fetched. Indeed, it is similar to one that was eventually adopted by the Supreme Court in 1968, when it effectively rejected its 1883 decision. In 1965, Joseph Lee Jones and his wife, Barbara Jo Jones, sued the Alfred H. Mayer Company, a St. Louis developer, who refused to sell them a home solely because Mr. Jones was black. Three years later, the Supreme Court upheld the Joneses' claim and recognized the validity of the 1866 Civil Rights Act's declaration that housing discrimination was a residue of slave status that the 13th Amendment empowered Congress to eliminate. Yet, because of an historical accident, policymakers, the public, and even civil rights advocates have failed to pay much attention to the implications of the Jones v. Mayor decision. Two months before the Supreme Court announced its ruling, Congress adopted the Fair Housing Act, which was then signed into law by President Lyndon B. Johnson. Although the 1866 law had already determined that housing discrimination was unconstitutional, it gave the government no powers of enforcement. The Fair Housing Act provided for modest enforcement, and civil rights groups have used this law rather than the earlier statute to challenge housing discrimination. But when they did so, we lost sight of the fact that housing discrimination did not become unlawful in 1968. It had been so since 1866. Indeed, throughout those 102 years, housing discrimination was not only unlawful, but was the imposition of a badge of slavery that the Constitution mandates us to remove. The color of law is concerned with consistent government policy that was employed in the mid 20th century to enforce residential racial segregation. There were many specific government actions that prevented African Americans and whites from living among one another, and I categorize them as unconstitutional. In doing so, I reject the widespread view that an action is not unconstitutional until the Supreme Court says so. Few Americans think that racial segregation...